Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. The secret to catching prize-worthy fish? Fishing like a local. Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. The valuable knowledge of a local guide can turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day. Go to fishingbooker.com to discover thousands of local fishing charters from all around the world and create your perfect angling adventure with their easy-to-use online booking system. Visit fishingbooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? Tread confidently in winter's worst with a set of new tires from Tire Rack. They sell only the best, like the full line of Pirelli tires. Go to TireRack.com slash sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to you or one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Thanks for listening to the Outkick the Coverage podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern, 3 to 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for Outkick the Coverage at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every morning on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Now let's get this party started. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. How many of you think in three years Odell Beckham Jr. is going to be worth, I think it's $65 million guaranteed that he's going to get? How many of you think in three years New York Giants fans are going to be sitting around saying, yeah, he was worth it? Here's my argument. In football, by and large, the only player that's worth a massive contract and is still worth that massive contract as the massive contract nears an end is the quarterback. Every other position... When you pay a guy massive amounts of money, there's so much risk, it's so easy to get hurt, it to me is almost always going to look like a bad contract in the years ahead. Because the injury factor is so high, because once a guy get pay, gets paid, typically, I think in the NFL, they don't go as hard as they did before they get paid. They get that guaranteed money. And all of a sudden, if they got a tweaked ankle, they're not going to be out there on the field. They're not as likely to be there. Uh, will it be in three years? Not right now, because everybody always likes a deal the day it's signed, just about. In three years, good deal, bad deal, Danny G. Oh, man. Uh, That's tough, right? Yeah, it is. I mean, I read about the deal and all its details yesterday, and on the surface, it seems fair for both sides everybody but yes on the day that deals like this are signed everybody always says it's great obj (laughs) deserves the right to be the highest paid wide receiver in the game and here's what he's going to get by the way three-time pro bowler gets uh, a maximum of 95 million that's 90 million base plus 5 million in incentives and 65 million of that is in total guaranteed money 
Uh, this is according to the uh, front page story on ESPN, including 41 million fully guaranteed at signing. And the reason why I picked three years is because really this is a three year deal. And over the first three years of the deal, Beckham will be paid $60 million for an average of $20 million a year over that three-year period. All right. So basically, I think you judge this thing in three years. So you can look at it right now and be like, okay, he deserves to be the highest-paid wide receiver in the game. He deserves $60 million. I think there are a lot of people out there that are saying that right now when it's signed. The question I'm asking is, I think, a more difficult one. Let's look into the crystal ball. Will he be worth $60 million if we were having this conversation in three years? My prediction is no. And what I'm basing that on is it's just hard for a guy to pan out at that level in the NFL anywhere other than quarterback. I think the quarterback is worth his weight in gold. I think every other position is nowhere near as valuable. I think you can look as an easy example down at Houston with the Texans. DeAndre Hopkins is an incredible wide receiver. If you have watched him play, uh, I think the Texans with Will Fuller, if he kind of comes around, he's had a little bit of a drops issue, Will Fuller. But I think a DeAndre Hopkins, a great, incredible wide receiver. If his quarterback ain't good, doesn't matter. How good was DeAndre Hopkins before the eight games we had with Deshaun Watson? When he had Tom Savage throwing to him, when he had Brock Osweiler throwing to him. Wasn't that good, right? The wide receiver's value can only be unlocked if he has a solid quarterback throwing to him. And I know it's in vogue to rip Eli Manning. Guys won two Super Bowls before he got to Odell Beckham Jr. Eli Manning's a Hall of Fame quarterback in the NFL. You may not love him. He may have ups and downs. Eli Manning's an incredible quarterback. Odell Beckham Jr. is lucky to have Eli Manning. If he had Tom Savage throwing to him, ain't no way he's worth $20 million. Don't you think Odell's slightly different when it comes to that, though? Because the category he's in is superstar status, but he plays with a chip on his shoulder, especially right now, coming off of that really bad ankle injury. I understand that. I understand that argument. That chip ain't near as big when you got sixty million. <laughs> but I'm just telling you right now about him. I, I mean, some... I do radio. I do radio with a chip on my shoulder because I had to build my audience from nothing when I started writing online with zero people, right? I'm a chip-on-the-shoulder guy. Yeah, I totally get he, that. He just comes off it's as, hard to as be motivated. One of the, but he's one of those players, though. He has rabbit ears. He doesn't like negativity surrounding him, and he plays to prove people wrong. So that's the one upside I'll say with him. I think once you've been proven to be – the highest paid person at your profession. If I got a hundred million dollars a year, the chip on my shoulder would be a lot smaller, right? If they said, if somewhere down the line, they're like, Hey, Clay Travis, uh, satellite radios come calling like they did for Howard Stern and they want to pay you a hundred million dollars. It's hard to have a chip on your shoulder when you make a hundred million dollars doing radio. It's hard to have a chip on your shoulder when you're a wide receiver getting paid more than any wide receiver in the history of the game has ever been paid. Right? I'm just saying, you are literally being compensated better for what you're doing than anybody in the history of the sport has ever been compensated. And here's the other thing. It's just skill position guys. When you make that $20 million, a lot of guys want to make that money off of you. right? The cornerback who shuts down Odell Beckham Jr., he wants a raise. The safety who knocks Odell Beckham Jr.'s head off when he comes across the middle, he wants a raise. 
Guys respect the fact that you got that money, but they also know once you get the money that they can make their name by making you not worth that money. Okay. And that's how they get paid, too. But you need a superstar wide receiver, and you were talking about DeAndre Hopkins. Clay, he was still pretty damn good, even with a whack quarterback. So without Hopkins, imagine what the Texans would have been. He deserves that money. Odell deserves the money right now. I'm sorry, but you need a true number one wide receiver on your squad. Again, everybody likes the contract the day it's signed. In three years, a good deal or bad deal? $60 million. For Odell, I'm saying it's a good deal. All right, you're on good deal. Bad I'm deal. on bad deal. What about you, Roberto? It's going to be a bad deal because Eli Manning going to be his quarterback, and I don't trust Eli Manning. Yeah, that may be true. And honestly, Eli Manning might not be his quarterback at the end. And as much as you don't trust Eli Manning, who's their number two right now? Davis Webb? Well, that's yeah. why that's why a lot of people were arguing yeah, that they should have drafted, they should have, exactly, they should have drafted a QB. Right, but they may have to go in, and at the end of this deal, Odell Beckham Jr. might be playing for a, tr- uh, a rookie, a first-year guy. We don't know. We don't know how many years uh, Eli Manning has got left. Eddie Garcia, good deal, bad deal, three years from now. Not right now. I'm, I'm leaning towards bad deal because of exactly what you just talked about, the uncertainty at the quarterback position. What's the point of having a star wide receiver if you don't have somebody that can get him the ball? So I'm leaning yeah, towards bad deal. Yeah, but imagine if you don't have a wide receiver. You can like find it. wide receivers good enough to oh. move the ball. Quarterbacks You've got to have a quarterback. A, okay. Quarterbacks make wide receivers. Yeah, you need you. Wide of course, you need a good quarterback. Of course, you need a good wide receiver. But imagine Deshaun Watson not having Hopkins to throw the ball to. He would still be a good quarterback. Yeah. He, not as good as obviously what he is or what he was. Yeah, I think it's easier to find a good wide receiver than it is. Who's the best wide receiver that Aaron Rodgers has ever thrown to? Yeah, Jordy Nelson. Jordy Nelson I guess. Yeah, Randall Probably Cobb. Jordy Nelson, right? Tom I mean, Brady gets it done with a lot of different guys. Tom Brady, who's the best wide receiver? You can say Randy Moss. He only had him for a couple of years. Otherwise, who's number two, the best wide receiver that Tom Brady's ever had? Tom Brady's second best wide uh, Troy Brown. Can, Wes Welker. Troy Brown. Uh, I mean, the easy yeah, but way to, I, I mean, people argue that's Belichick and assist Tom Brady too. is this. Tom Brady has thrown the ball to for like a billion miles in the NFL, right? Two of the guys that have caught Tom Brady passes are going to be Hall of Famers, in my opinion. Randy Moss, who was only there for a small fraction of his tenure and would have been a Hall of Famer even if he had never played with the Patriots. So I don't really think you can put Randy Moss in the he's in the Hall of Fame because of Tom Brady category, right? If I believe if Randy Moss had never played with the Patriots, if he had retired before he got to the Patriots, he'd be a Hall of Famer. And the only guy that you can say so far that's had the substantial portion of his career catching Tom Brady passes that will be in the Hall of Fame, I think Rob Gronkowski. Other than that, yeah. You think about it, like Tom Brady's entire nearly 20-year career throwing the football. But Clay, one guy who's caught his balls consistently is going to be in the Hall of Fame. You're, Gronkowski. You're talking about Tom Brady, though, one of the best or the best quarterback to ever play. How many teams get to have a Tom Brady? No, no, but I mean, I think you can. I think you can run through a bunch of these guys, right? Who's won Super Bowls here recently? I'm not going to count Nick Foles because I don't think it was Nick Foles' Super Bowl, I just, uh, even though he won. Look, it. as a Raiders fan growing up, I hate discrediting wide receivers because forever the Raiders had a Brown situation where they went through, what, 18 to 20 different quarterbacks? And so the thinking was, well, he's not a good quarterback anyways. Why pay for superstar stud wide receivers? So there were always all these mediocre wide receivers. That made the problem worse. 
I want the package deal. If it's my team. Yeah, I, I understand the package deal, but the package deal ain't cheap. Uh, it, so it's let's, worth let's it, run though. through. Russell Wilson. Does Russell Wilson have a Hall of Fame receiver that is caught for him? Maybe Jimmy Graham, if you want to give him credit for Jimmy Graham at tight end. Yeah, he's had a lot of Doug Baldwin type. Doug Baldwin type receivers, right? Guys who are okay, pretty decent, but not Hall of Famers. All right. He's been good enough to basically win two Super Bowls. Uh, and granted, he did have Marshawn Lynch to hand off to, but that's a whole nother dynamic about, you know, analyzing the running backs impact. Uh, Brady, we just said, Aaron Rodgers, Jordy Nelson. There's no way that anybody, maybe you could make the argument. There's nobody that Aaron Rodgers has ever thrown to that is going to be a Hall of Famer. Uh, those are three of the top quarterbacks. Cam Newton. Has never is in the Super Bowl. Cam Newton has never had a Hall of Fame caliber uh, caliber wide receiver. Now Peyton Manning had Marvin Harrison. Peyton Manning, uh, Marvin Harrison is one of the ten best probably wide receivers all time in the NFL. And then he had um, he kind of started to make oh uh, the the wide receiver who's a stud right now for the Denver Broncos. Hard to remember everybody's name. Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, not Emmanuel Sanders. <laughs> Demarius Thomas. Yes, Demarius yeah. Thomas, who who looks like he's going to be a big-time playmaker. But anyway, you start to run through the list, and what I think you find is that the most dominant quarterbacks, we typically are not having that Montana and Rice-type connection for the dominant quarterbacks. Even Eli pre-Odell Beckham Jr., look at the receivers that Eli Manning was throwing to None of them, I think, probably. Amani Toomer, is that the best receiver? I mean, I mean, really, when you run through the list of guys at the yeah. wideout positions that, that Eli Manning has had. Clay, how about the list of Hall of Fame receivers who didn't have a quarterback? How about that? Yeah. I mean, we've at, we asked that question before. Like, what is the best wide receiver who never had a great quarterback? I think T.O. bounced around with so many different teams. T.O., you know, he had Donovan McNabb. He had a little bit of Romo. Um, you know, there, there's a, there are guys that he was committed to for a long time, but Jeff Garcia is probably the guy that a lot of people think about with T.O. And I know he had Steve Young. If you remember the catch, I believe that was Steve Young who threw it to him, right? The catch that made T.O.'s career. Was that against the Packers in the, in the playoffs and caught the ball anyway? That was yep. the catch that kind of made T.O. Uh, T.O., I think that was the first time people started to recognize, oh man, this guy's going to be a, a big time playmaker. All that to be said, I'm on the record right now. I'm going to be under contract. I'm still going to be here. In three years' time, I'm of the opinion this Odell Beckham Jr. deal will not look good. We'll see. $60 million uh, is on the table. By the way, I encourage you to go download the podcast. Great discussion. First two hours. Mark about Tiger Mark Woods, tape. Donald Trump, and uh, everything else uh, surrounding that drama and the reaction that we saw on ESPN. What were you saying, Danny G.? Oh, I'm just marking the tape right here, and you didn't Mark br- the tape. You didn't bring up Antonio Brown, by the way, who obviously makes the Steelers' offense. Has made the Steelers' offense a lot better, right? Ben Roethlisberger won two Super Bowls without Antonio Brown. Oh, he, and who was the best he, receiver on those teams? Antonio Ed, Holmes. Eddie, who would you say were the Steelers' best receivers during that run? Yeah, Antonio Holmes and Heinz uh, Ward for the first. Oh Super yeah, Bowl definitely Heinz Ward. So, I mean, but but the point here is you start to run through, and, and I think basically we've run through a lot of different quarterbacks in multiple Super Bowls. I think the Montana-Rice era, I know a lot of people still think about that, oh, great quarterback, great receiver. I think Peyton Manning, Marvin Harrison is probably the best example of that we've had in the modern era where a guy has been a stud connected to Hall of Fame pairing. doesn't happen that often now. So I'm of the opinion Odell Beckham Jr., Good contract. I don't blame him. Get all the money you can. 
I don't think it's going to look like a good deal for the Giants in three years. We'll find out. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Brian Glasspiegel here with us here on Outkick, the coverage. He writes at the big lead. Broken a lot of stories recently, but I want to start with him talking about college football, which is back week one of the college football universe. Week zero maybe counting last week, but you're a big Wisconsin Badger fan, Ryan. Do the Badgers get it done in the Big Ten West? How do you like their chances in the Big Ten in general this year? They've got, what, one to two years before Scott Frost has really built a formidable program at Nebraska, I think, so... You know, it, it's weird. You almost can – I don't want to jinx them, but over the last – really since they started doing divisions and had the Big Ten title game in Indianapolis, they make it almost every year. So I, I do think that they'll win that division. They've got five preseason AP All-Americans, and I'm, I'm actually excited about Alex Hornibrook. He gets a lot of criticism, but – there's he can't throw to the sidelines, but if if there's throws between the hash marks, he's really good at them. And I think that they're going to design an offense around um, his strengths and limitations, and that they're going to just have score a lot of points this year. Fair or foul the way that Tiger Woods's comments have been received by, for instance, First Take, Undisputed has weighed in on him a lot and ripped Tiger Woods for his comments on respecting the office of the presidency. He didn't really dive into his overall opinion of Donald Trump. Yeah, it's it's tricky because at some point the office of the presidency, like there has to be something a president could do that you wouldn't respect the office. For example, Richard Nixon was impeached and removed from office. I think if somebody had said, well, you got to respect the office with Nixon, then there would be some pushback. Um, the, the Max and Stephen A clip that went around, I don't know that Stephen A said exactly what it looked like he said in that quick snippet. I watched the fuller clip of it, and what he said was that Tiger Woods has chosen not to identify with the black community, which I guess is a little bit different than what it looks like in that 13 seconds. Yeah, and Stephen A. has tweeted to us, my position would be that saying that you have to think a certain way because you are black is, to me, a form of racism because it puts you in a particular place right it's identity politics which is oh you are x so you have to believe y i'm not willing to follow that algebraic equation i think everybody is an individual and they can believe whatever they want to believe and i think the free thinkers out there i would like to think aren't going to be defined by their race their sex or their gender they are going to make decisions based on being an individual as opposed to being something that they can't control which is none of us can pick our race none of us can pick our gender usually now evidently you can pick whatever gender you want but uh but i'm kind of intrigued by that in general we spent a lot of time talking about it i want to get into some of the stories that you have broken get up is a show that has been uh in trouble from the moment it launched when those first numbers came out of how few people were watching relative to how many people watch sports center michelle beetle is now being removed from the show and uh, as a result they are uh, taking an hour off of that show what's going to happen here well, 
And for the next five months, it's going to be football central. We've, we've seen that ESPN has done a lot of basketball talk over the last couple of years. They've really increased the volume there, but they have added 16 people to get up who are going to be recurring cast members that really are focused on football. The, the, the five women who are replacing Michelle Beadle on Get Up, which is Maria Taylor, Laura Rutledge, who I think your audience both know a lot from SEC Network. They're also adding Nina Kimes, who has a lot of football knowledge. They're adding Jem Mata, who's been a college football host. They're adding Diana Rossini, who's an NFL reporter. That is really ESPN's way of saying for during football season, this show is going to have a lot of knowledge and enthusiasm about football, which obviously um, on her way out, Beatle said she did not have. Yeah, Laura Rutledge is a good friend of mine. I think she's a superstar in the making. She came out of the SEC Network. She is incredible. Maria Taylor, I think, also a superstar in the making, if she's not already a superstar. Credit to the SEC Network for finding and identifying both of those uh, women, and now they are being promoted outside of the SEC because they're so good. ESPN has basically called them up uh, to the big boy. Uh, What happens with Jamel Hill? For those who don't know, Jamel Hill's contract reportedly being bought out 9-1 is supposedly the last day uh, or the first day that she'll be gone. Basically, she's gone before the football season really gets underway this year. Where does she go? What happens next? So she's launched a production company in conjunction with her agent, Evan Dick, who um, what used to be one of like the stable of agents at CAA, and if you look at kind of the broader media landscape now, there's a lot more money to be had in producing scripted content than there is in being a television personality. And so, like, you've got all of these bidders like Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, HBO, Showtime, Stars, not to mention all of the legacy shows on cable and broadcast and like you you, for example you look at lebron james and you can't go four days without seeing a new project that's attached to his production company so if you're making things that can be targeted at a really like formidable niche in the population you can have a lot of value on whether it's like documentaries or sitcoms etc etc I think that that's what she's going to be most focused on, but I wouldn't be astonished if it turns out that she has a contributor contract with like CNN or MSNBC to go along with that. Is ESPN's new strategy basically to do the opposite of everything that John Skipper did? Uh, it, it is with a lot of the studio shows, though. There, there are some things that he did that are successful. You and I disagree on the NBA deal. I think that at the end of that deal, that's, that, um, securing that property and keeping Fox Sports away from it is going to look like it was a good decision. But yeah, they, they, I said on Richard Deitch's podcast that they're toppling a lot of his statues, whether that's taking Beto off, get up buying out Jamel Hill, moving high noon to later in the afternoon and replacing it with Sports Center in midday. 
there's definitely they're kind of running out of things to fix though. So <laughs> we're going to like we're going to have to see what they do now that they put out all of the fires. Good stuff, Ryan. I appreciate you getting up uh, early with us. We're going to have you on regularly. You can follow Ryan at Sports Report. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. Smartest guy to talk to, maybe, at least up this early in L.A. is Petros Papadakis. Petros, what's up, my man? Well, I, I would use that service, but I've never employed anybody, so... I've employed people, um, and uh, it's so stressful to be an employer. I understand people out there are like, oh, I'd rather be the boss than not. Being a boss, there's a lot of stress associated with being the boss. Sometimes being an employee and just knowing all you got to do is just get a paycheck, that's not a bad situation. Now it sounds like you're making excuses for Urban Meyer. <laughs> uh, college football is back. How excited are you for college football to be back? Not much. Really? Well, I'm excited for the young men and – the people that are involved, but for me, who has agoraphobia, it's like facing all your fears every week, getting on a plane and seeing people and seeing people you don't know and being out in public. It's, why am I telling you this? Yeah, I love no, the no, fact no. that I'm college I'm curious football. on this. What? I, people sometimes think that radio people love, I mean, we talk to a lot of people, right? But a lot of what we do is very isolating. So when you are doing your show, do you like being in the studio with nobody else around, or do you like being out in public? Well, the show thrives because of a lot of the public stuff we do. So, I mean, and that's kind of more like events like my father's restaurant was. You know, Matt and I are sitting there. We have Brazilian dancers. We have, you know, weirdos like Eddie Money. We have all kinds of crazy stuff going on at our events and a lot of people show up. So it's something that I have to embrace. And I, I encourage everybody to try to face their fears. It's obviously not easy, but football season is like that for me. I have to kind of break through being uncomfortable and, you know, walking into Lovey Smith's office and not knowing what's going to happen and uh, just being a little bit more confident. For God's sake, I'm 41 years old, you know. What game do you have for week one? you got Stanford, right? Yeah, I have a new guy that we're breaking into the broadcasting world, DeMarco Murray, the great running back out of Bishop Gorman, and, of course, Oklahoma and the Dallas Cowboys and a couple other stops after that, a a great Pro Bowl running back. So we're going to broadcast with him and get his feet wet in college football analysis. And we open up with a really good game, at least here on the West Coast. I mean, there really are two of the most developed run games out out there, San Diego State, which basically pumps out a 1,500-yard rusher every year for the last six or seven years, and Stanford, which has Bryce Love, who probably should have won the Heisman last year. But, uh, yeah, Bryce Love, and, and he's got a Heisman bid this year. I'm sure he's not going to win because nobody from Stanford will ever win since Jim Plunkett. But that, that's what we got. San Diego State at Stanford, and the Aztecs beat them last year. For people out there who haven't watched Bryce Love, what makes him such a good running back? You know, that's tough to say because I didn't think he had the sand in his ass to carry the load when Christian McCaffrey went on. And I don't care where your listeners are from. The fact that Christian McCaffrey didn't win the Heisman the year that he broke Barry Sanders' record is one of the greatest travesties in the history of our sport. 
and it just shows. I mean, we all know the Heisman isn't a really fair or unbiased award, but it really just shows how backward the damn thing is. But I didn't think Bryce was a good change-up back for Christian because he's a sprinter and he could stand up and run and kind of a home run hitter. I didn't think he'd be able to take the pounding and the gaps for a whole season. And, man, did he prove me wrong. He was an absolute war daddy uh, all season last year and really dragged himself through a lot of rough injuries. I saw him do that in the cold at Washington State, only to end up losing the game. But he's done nothing but impress me. I was absolutely wrong about him. He, he is a, just as heavy a runner as Christian McCaffrey was. And people are a little bit misled. I mean, Christian McCaffrey's 205 pounds, and that's the size of, of you know, most mid-sized backs. So those guys were great. But Stanford has always had a bell cow, except for like one year they didn't have one when McCaffrey was a freshman. But they had Toby Gerhardt, Stephon Taylor, Tyler Gaffney, McCaffrey, and now Bryce Love. They, they have a slew of special backs. And the same can be said for San Diego State. Donnell Pumphrey broke that record. Uh, I think it was Ron Dane's record at that point or somebody like that. And uh, they had Rashad Petty, who got drafted by, in the first round by the Seahawks. And this year, their running back's a guy named Jawan Washington. So there's all the information. You know where DeMarco Murray lives now? Vegas? Dallas? Nashville. Nashville. Oh, tell him I said hi. Well, we're not, oh, we're not uh, tra- uh, hanging out partners right now. But uh, I just think it's imp- uh, important for you to recognize that the city of Nashville is following you everywhere. Uh, I recognize that far. Nashville is a vibrant, special place. I also recognize that I've only spent one night there, and it wasn't Nashville. It was Murfreesboro. And there was a dog show at the, at the hotel. We were doing a Middle Tennessee State game. Yes. Blue Raiders. And there was a dog show. Coach Stockstill did not let us know about the dog show. I am deeply allergic to dogs and cats, and I suffered horribly. Um, you've had Tiger Woods on your radio show, if I'm not mistaken. Didn't he come Recently, on for you? 30 minutes. Yeah, he came on with you and hung out for a while. And I mean, then he hung out for 20 minutes after and wanted to talk about college football. It was weird. Uh, so Tiger's in your area though, right? I mean, he's from Orange County. No, he County, lived in Florida, right? but no, I grew up knowing him. Yeah. What did you think about, uh, Tiger got quizzed about Donald Trump and basically said, Hey, I respect the office of the presidency. And then he got ripped for that too. What, what's your view in general when it comes to athletes getting political? Like I, on, on this show, I have said, I kind of respect uh, Tiger Woods trying to uh, not, you know, just dive into analyzing everything from a political fashion because it reminds me of Michael Jordan, the era that I grew up in. But what do you think about Tiger? You've actually interacted with him some. Like, I, I have no relationship with him at all, but I remember when he came on your show that he spent a long time with you and uh, and was, you know, kind of what your vibe is on, is on him in general. Well, he was very candid and very honest when he came on the show and dating back to when I was a young person, I was never a big fan of Tiger Woods and I'll be damned if he didn't change. I mean, this happens in sports radio all the time. You, somebody comes on your show and is halfway nice to you. And all of a sudden, you know, you'll defend them like it's your mom. Yeah. But <laughs> I was, I was pretty impressed with him in person. We'll just put it like that. And he seemed very sincere to me and I liked him. 
I liked him a lot more than I did when I met him when I was in college. But he was a younger person, and I was kind of an a-hole, too. I mean, let's be honest. But the guy's worth a billion dollars or something. And those people are around the president, whoever the president is. Those people are around all kinds of different people. And they have to be a lot more, I don't know, measured when it comes to those kind of questions. And, Clay, I, I don't disagree with you at all here. I, I really hated a few years ago when the state of Indiana had some kind of legislation about gay marriage or, or something, and there was an NCAA event there. I think it was the Final Four. And they were going to quiz the athletes on, you know, college athletes on, you know, if they were comfortable playing in the state of Indiana because of this legislation. And I thought I was not only insulted that they were going to ask those guys about it, I was insulted that they were going to ask me about it <laughs> on FS1. I, it, I thought it was the dumbest thing in the world uh, to try to bring people into that so you can shame them if you don't like their opinion. And, of course, the opinion that, you know, uh, is popular is, is the one that they want you to say, which is, you know, Trump's the worst and, you know, this state is, is barbaric and horrible. And, hey, maybe those things are true, but I don't like being baited into saying something so everybody can clap like a seal. I think it's stupid. Yeah, so and, uh, I'm and, with you. Yeah, and I also think it's really incongruous. You've been in some of these press com- conferences and it's not very fair. And look, I will rip an athlete or a coach. You know this. I mean, I'm sure you've done it a lot too. But when you're in a press conference and you go from, hey, Tiger, what happened on the 14th green there? It looked like you expected, you know, for the ball to break left and instead it broke right and you made bogey. And then you're like, Tiger's answering that question. And the next question is, Tiger, why don't you tell me what you think about race relations in America today? <laughs> you know, it's like, whoa, you know, like record scratch moment. Like I'm in a press conference about sports in a polo, having just played a bunch of rounds of golf. And it's not as if I'm on Capitol Hill having just testified in front of Congress. Like there's a time and a place, I think, in many respects for questions. And look, if you want but a to guy like him. It, you yeah. know, the, yeah. the crossover media that follows him, the crossover media that is involved in the sport simply because he exists for the last 20 years is something that he's always ready for. I thought he answered the question fine. Yeah, I you thought know? he did perfectly. I think Tom Brady's the one that put his foot in his mouth this week yeah. by seeming like such a weirdo and a stiff when it comes to his trainer friend. I don't know why Tom Brady, I'm curious on this for you too. So when you got Tiger, when Tiger came on and talked with you guys for that long on your radio show, how did that happen? You know, because these guys Oh, it was totally such- sponsored and compromised to the hilt. Okay. There was so nothing was- journalistic or, in, or uh, please don't get me wrong, there was no integrity involved. Yes. Uh, it was with the Genesis Open, which is the former LA Open at the Riviera. They were sponsoring... Uh, the event through the station, and with the sponsorship came a 25-minute exclusive interview with Tiger Woods in a private room. Okay. So that's what happened. No, no, that's perfect to know because people out there sometimes don't understand. Sometimes you get a guy like Tiger, and, you know, it's like an unscripted and unvarnished moment. That was 100% planned, so he knew exactly. I was curious. Right, and the interview came off. Uh, pretty well. I mean, obviously they said, don't ask him about hookers or pills. 
Yeah. And, and you know, he kind of got into his own foibles uh, without being prompted. But uh, when you have an interview like that and your bosses say you have to go do this, it's a sponsorship deal, uh, you don't get to be uh, Lois Lane. <laughs> yeah. say, you know, well, I'm going to, you know, I want, I want to ask what I want to ask. You know, you just kind of get in line in those situations. And I was glad I did because it ended up being a, a good deal. Well, the reason why I, I was kind of curious on that in general is you were mentioning Tom Brady. And we're going to play that audio for people at the end of the show who maybe haven't heard it already. But my question for you is, why does Tom Brady still do a local radio interview? And, and I mean that as a guy who's done local radio, right? I mean, I and you, you know, know that that's great for the local radio crew. Why would he do a national radio interview? I, I mean, why I just, would he do any interview? I, I, I the only it's a great question. Like I don't Other than know the press why he conferences he's required to do. Yeah, so, and Danny G just hopped in in my ear and said they pay him a ton of money. How much money? Tom Brady's worth hundreds of millions of dollars. I know the economics of local radio. How dare you? Right? I mean, I get $50 a pop to go on with Softy at KGJR in Seattle every, they, every Wednesday. Yeah, I'm just $50, saying. $50, Clay. They're, a they're, lot of money. That is funny. Well, first of all, you do this for free, so we definitely owe you some money. Yeah, for that. we got to talk about that. But I think in general, I want my whatever 50. money he makes to do radio is a pinprick of his overall income. And it seems like well, it he's doesn't seem news. worth it if he's going to get in these weird, yeah. if he's going to come off like that. You know, look, if you don't want to answer a question or get into something, there are way better ways. You know, he's a lot smoother of a person. And if you're going to do weekly radio, there's way better ways to get out of that if he has to get out of it. He just came off looking like a douche. And you know what? If you follow him on Instagram, he he is kind of a douche. He sings along to U2 songs uh, at concerts going like, you know, he sings not even good U2 songs like Vertigo. I mean, he's a dork. I saw him once at the Rose Bowl. He had a wallet chain. Do you know who uses wallet chains? Bikers. People that are on motorcycles so their wallet doesn't fall off. Any other reason for it is douchey. You know, he's a, he's a douche. So to me, I don't know why he'd do the interviews in the first place. I Amen. think you're right. I think people are probably wondering that for you, too. They're saying, why in the world would Clay, would Petros Papadakis come on with that douche, Clay Travis? Uh, we'll be listening to the show this afternoon. Well, we afternoon. have to make a living. Got to make a living, indeed. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., 
We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon.